Welcome back to The Daily Poem on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by Jane Kenyon. She lived from 1947 to 1995 and was an American poet. She was married to Donald Hall, you may remember from previous episodes of this podcast. The poem that I'm going to read for today's episode is called Three Songs at the End of Summer. And uh, it seemed appropriate as we enter August. For most of us, at least you know, in certain parts of this country, summer is, at least the, we- the summer weather is far from over. But that's okay. The, uh, the summer vacation is drawing to a close for most of us. So I figure it's as good a time as any. Um, so it's three. It's one poem. Uh, or it's published as one poem, but it's three separate, um, three separate poems of various lengths. And I will note when the next one starts. This is Three Songs at the End of Summer by Jane Kenyon. A second crop of hay lies cut and turned. Five gleaming crows search and peck between the rows. They make a low, companionable squawk, and like midwives and undertakers possess a weird authority. Crickets leap from the stubble, parting before me like the Red Sea. The garden sprawls and spoils. Across the lake, the campers have learned to water ski. They have, or they haven't. Sounds of the instructor's megaphone suffuse the hazy air. Relax, relax. Cloud shadows rush over drying hay, fences, dusty lane, and railroad ravine. The first yellowing fronds of goldenrod brighten the margins of the woods. School books, carpools, pleated skirts, water, silver still, and a V of geese. Here's the second song. The cicada's dry monotony breaks over me. The days are bright and free. Bright and free. Then why did I cry today for an hour with my whole body the way babies cry? And here's the third song. A white, indifferent morning sky and a crow hectoring from its nest high in the hemlock, a nest as big as a laundry basket. In my childhood, I stood under a dripping oak while autumnal fog eddied around my feet, waiting for the school bus with a dread that took my breath away. The damp dirt road gave off this same complex organic scent. I had the new books, words, numbers, and operations with numbers I did not comprehend, in crayons, unspoiled by use, in a blue canvas satchel with red leather straps. Spruce, inadequate, and alien, I stood at the side of the road. It was the only life I had. One of the things I like about Jen Kenyon so much is the way her images are specific and simple in a sense, but complex at the same time. She takes simple words, simple language, simple images, and can draw out of us complex thought. That's not something that every poet can do, right? It's more than just a simple memory or a pretty line or a beautiful scene. The way all these things work together, the way they double back on each other, the way they interact with one another, creates this this real complexity that gets at the heart of certainly her inner life, the life that she lived, her memories, things like that, but also universal things that we all experience. I think particularly she's so good at uh, touching on anxieties and fears. You know, you get this scene with the girl standing outside the bus with the fog around her feet. This is in the third song. The sky is indifferent, right? And there's a crow hectoring from its nest high in the hemlock. 
in her childhood, she stood under a dripping oak while autumnal fog eddied about her feet, waiting for the school bus with a dread that took my breath away. First day of school type stuff, right? These are simple fears that we all kind of recognize. You know, there's there's so much out there that she doesn't know yet that she's got to learn that 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 she's got to fall into, um, and and this the anticipation of that is a fearful thing. And then that second song, there's this con- there's this question of, then why did I cry today? The cicada's dry monotony breaks over me. The days are free and bright, but why did I cry? And uh, part of me thinks that maybe it's because of that phrase, the cicada's dry monotony breaks over me. You know, she cries because of the monotony. There's, there is a sense of monotony in her life that that um, that perhaps is perhaps causing her to feel trapped, just as the young girl feels trapped. And then working backwards in that first song of summer, we get the image of a garden which is sprawling and spoiling, which is a fantastic line. The garden sprawls and spoils. Because it sounds great. It's a great bit of poetry, right? But that's a great image as well. The garden which is gotten out of hand at the end of the summer. Perhaps it was too difficult to attend to or whatever. But there's fruit or vegetables or whatever that are spoiling. And she wasn't able to get to. Perhaps the weeds have taken over. The plants have gotten so big there. They're unwieldy. You know, the the... the she doesn't have any more authority over the garden or the or the fields or whatever than than the crows do. She says they have a weird authority. There's campers across the lake trying to to learn to water ski at varying degrees of success. The instructor saying to relax, to relax, and then the clouds come over. Right, the clouds meet the edge of the woods, the margin of the woods where the yellowing fronds of goldenrod brighten. And then summer ends, and the school books come. These are all such specific images, but but in their relationship with one another, the way those ideas connect, and the way like if you live with this poem for a while and you spend time with it, those ideas begin to intertwine with one another. They begin to uh, they begin to cast new meanings on each other. These from word to word, image to image, line to line. And that's the great thing about poetry. And, and a great poet like Jane Kenyon, you know, I read a sonnet by Edna St. Vincent Millay yesterday. And that was much more complex, perhaps, on the surface in terms of the language. There's a, there's a very clear form to it. It's a Petrarchan sonnet, the 14 lines with an octave and a sestet and all that. You know, there's a lot going on there. And, and I didn't really get into that on the podcast. But it seems complicated. More complicated than this does. But then this, when you spend time with it, the complications sort of um, like that garden begin to sprawl. Now, hopefully they don't spoil, but they begin to sprawl and, and become more complex and bear more fruit. That's why I love a poem like this. So one more time here is Jane Kenyon's Three Songs at the End of Summer. A second crop of hay lies cut and turned. Five gleaming crows search and peck between the rows. They make low, companionable squawk. And like midwives and undertakers, possess a weird authority. Crickets leap from the stubble, parting before me like the Red Sea. The garden sprawls and spoils. Across the lake, the campers have learned to water ski. They have or they haven't. Sounds of the instructor's megaphone suffuse the hazy air. Relax, relax. Cloud shadows rush over drying hay, fences, dusty lane, and railroad ravine. The first yellowing fronds of goldenrod brighten the margin of the woods. School books, carpools, pleated skirts, water, silver still, and a V of geese. Here's the second song. The cicada's dry monotony breaks over me. The days are bright and free, bright and free. 
then why did I cry today for an hour with my whole body the way babies cry? Third song. A white, indifferent morning sky and a crow hectoring from its nest high in the hemlock, a nest as big as a laundry basket. In my childhood, I stood under a dripping oak while autumnal fog eddied around my feet, waiting for the school bus with a dread that took my breath away. The damp dirt road gave off this same complex, organic scent. I had the new books, words, num- I had the new books, words, numbers, and operations with numbers I did not comprehend, and crayons, unspoiled by use, in a blue canvas satchel with red leather straps. Spruce, inadequate and alien, I stood at the side of the road. It was the only life I had. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. Thank you.